Well, you could say that Charlie Borman and Ewan McGregor are the ones that kicked it all off with Long Way Round and then followed up with Long Way Down, the whole adventure biking thing. But National Geographic now has picked up on it, and they've got a show that they're doing that's airing right now, and it's a whole series that's going on called Riding Morocco, Chasing the Dakar. And we're going to talk about that today. But I'll tell you, I, I've been out for the past couple of weeks now exploring the back roads of British Columbia, and uh, especially around the, the areas around Lillooet and the Duffy Lake Road, I have seen so many adventure bikes out now. Like it seems to be it used to be that you'd always see cruising bikes and they sort of dominated the market. Well, as you probably already know, the adventure bike segment is, is growing faster all the time. Well, I have seen more adventure bikes on the road, I think, than I've ever seen before. And groups them riding everywhere. I'm, it's completely exciting for me, except for the fact that I'm actually not on a motorcycle right now, which is just tearing me apart. But that's another story. Anyway, on this episode, we're going to talk with Christophe Barrier-Verjou, who is the star, or at least one of the stars, of this show on this National Geographic Channel special called Riding Morocco. Stay with us. we got a good one for you. I'm Jim Martin. This is Adventure Rider Radio. This episode is brought to you in part by Max BMW Motorcycles, serving adventure riders since 2002. 45,000 parts and accessories available online and ready to ship to your door at maxbmw.com. And you can sign up for their e-rider newsletter too. It's free. That's maxbmw.com. And Best Rest Products, home of Cycle Pump Tire Inflator, Tire and Bead Breaker, Easy Air Tire Gauge, and other adventure motorcycle gear. You know, whether you're on the road or off the road, you'll need a compact and reliable tire inflation method. The Cycle Pump runs right off your bike's electrical system and will inflate a flat tire in less than three minutes. Made in the USA, and get this, it comes with a lifetime warranty. It's the pump we use here at Adventure Rider Radio. Visit them at CyclePump.com. That's CyclePump.com. Green Chili Adventure Gear offers American-made, heavy-duty, innovative luggage systems for all types of motorcycles, tested in extreme weather and terrain to withstand the abuse of adventure riding. Green Chili Adventure Gear is also the exclusive USA distributor for Outback Motor Tech, a Canadian company that specializes in high-quality protection for motorcycles. Visit them at www.greenchiliadv.com. Greenchiliadv.com. Right now, as I speak, in over 170 countries worldwide, National Geographic is airing an adventure motorcycle film. How cool is that? It's called Riding Morocco, Chasing the Dakar. And basically what they did is they teamed up two riders, one a Dakar racer and the other one an ex-supermodel. Christophe Barrier-Verjou is one of those, and I assure you, he's not the supermodel. Laura Sorden is the other. Christophe obviously has lots of riding experience, and Laura has no off-road riding experience. The way National Geographic is billing it is two adventure bikers are taking the, the journey of a lifetime through Morocco and North Africa, and they're, they're sort of following the Dakar rally when it was in Africa. Christophe Barrier-Verjou, who is a Dakar racer, he's been in it four times, and then there's Laura Sorton, who had never done any off-road before doing this film. So they started in Marrakesh, and they went on through to the Moroccan Sahara. So to get the story, you know, the background that you're not going to see on National Geographic, well, we decided to talk to Christophe himself. So I have Christophe Barrier-Verjou, and you'll remember Christophe from his movie Dream Racer, or at least I hope you'll remember it because you must have seen the movie, and if you didn't, you've 
dearly missed out, but but don't fret. There's still time to see it. You can still get a chance to look at it. Well, well, Christoph is once again in the highlight, you could say. Well, I would say more than much more than before, because now he's on National Geographic Channel, and um, he's done a, a bike adventure that's been filmed and is being shown all across the world. Christoph, welcome back once again to Adventure Rider Radio. Jim, thank you. Thanks for having me. Now, I got to tell you, I haven't seen television in a long time, I have like 30 years or something. I don't know. It's a long, long time. So I'm, I'm not up on the trends. I'm not up with what goes on. But um, when I see this come up, I'm thinking, this is incredible. I mean, you went from producing Dream Racer, which, which was really, I mean, it was, it's of the quality of any film you see out there, in my opinion, uh, as far as a, a big production film. But this is National Geographic. This is really huge. First of all, tell us a little bit about what was the whole idea of this riding Morocco? Well, the uh, the whole thing started uh, as an email. I just received this out of the blue email, and and first I thought I know it was like coming from a hotmail, and I thought it was a spam, and somebody asking me if I was interested in making a movie, and uh, I nearly deleted that email, thinking it was one bit of a joke, and um, I just went along with it, and uh, one thing led to another. I uh, I found out that the actual um, producing company of that uh, of that show. Uh, where uh, was a company in the UK called Arrow Media, and uh, Arrow has made the film called Fifty Two Hours. Is the the guy that gets stuck in the in the in the boulder rocks and has to cut his uh, his fingers or his mm. hand or something to mm-hmm. come out? And they made a, a wonderful amount of films. And I said, well, maybe that's not a joke. So I went along with it, and uh, and that lasted uh, lasted a few months. The story was still, you know, it was filming in. Morocco um, and being me being a, a co-presenter with some famous person and that's how everything started probably about six six seven months before the actual filming took place in Morocco in February which wasn't all that long ago I, I mean to think that it was filmed in February and it's, it's on now that's right they, they went very quick I guess um, you know it's uh, the, the whole so as we moved along into uh, into the filming of the uh, you know the story and all that it was uh, actually uh, uh, sponsored by, or not really sponsored, but uh, requested uh, by National Geographic, and uh, and and the back of it was uh, was Honda Japan, and they wanted to make a nice documentary talking about Africa, beautiful landscape, and uh, and launching the new uh, Africa Twin motorcycles as well. So obviously, there's a lot of um, Honda messages in there, but uh, you know they are they are the one behind it, and um, it's just you know the whole thing took a turn and, and, and moved very, very fast in, uh, in January, actually. So they came to you because of your riding experience. That's right, yeah. So they wanted to, to pair me with a totally inexperienced off-road uh, rider and, um, and me helping one, you know, they wanted a rider that had raised the Dakar Rally in Africa, so the, and I did that. Uh, they wanted someone experienced in, in film, uh, filming as well, so I did that with Dream Racer. And um, and somebody that could teach someone how to ride, you know, uh, a big motorbike off-road fairly fairly quickly. So, uh, and the uh, actually the original person that was tagged for the show was uh, Jody Kidd from the UK, and uh, and Jody um, had to go through a, a number of um, driving tests, and um, and unfortunately Jody had never ridden a motorcycle at all, not even on road. 
and uh, she uh, she didn't quite make it, and I think she failed one of the tests, and, um, and it was too much of a risk. Uh, and um, and then they started searching for another rider with a bit more experience uh, riding on road, and, and Laura Sorton, uh, they found Laura in, here in Australia, so that was lucky because I'm I'm not far from her, and um, she had ridden many years on on road, but never. Set a foot, set a, a wheel off road. So it was a bit, you know, it was a bit easier to train someone that knows how to ride a motorbike to ride off road than somebody that had never been on a motorbike at all. And uh, for Laura, things happened very, very, very fast because she was um, she was told fairly late, and um, and she came up where I lived, and uh, we spent three days of very intensive training, just teaching her as much as I could, and and those three days was right in the summer here in Australia uh, because the season now. Uh, reverse from um, from the uh, other parts of the world, and it was like 40, 45 degrees temperature. It was so hot, poor thing. She was uh, she was struggling first time putting all the gears and the boots and all the protective gears, the helmet, the gloves, and all that. And uh, riding at fairly slow speed at 40, 45 degrees was Celsius was pretty hard. And, you, and were you training on Africa Twins? No, no, not at all. No, we started. I started her on a very small bike. Oh, it's, it's a small bike that can go really fast, but it's a Honda uh, 125 um, CC two-stroke motocross bike. So that we did that on the first day, and and the purpose of that was just to teach her the right balance on the bike because she doesn't have a lot of uh, muscle, so she needs to ride well. Uh, and then the second day, I put her on the on the bigger version, the 250 CC again two-stroke, which is you know, pretty powerful motorbike. And um, got her on the on the motocross track on the second day, so that was a, that was a massive improvement. And uh, I still remember <laughs> Laura just uh, going around the track and trying to make up the ride over the uh, massive tabletop, and she didn't quite make it. And uh, the front wheel was at the top of the tabletop, the back wheel was still on the on the takeoff ramp, and uh, she was stuck there. And I said, "Whatever you do." Don't move. And sure enough, she started laughing and started going backward and this, this massive spill. So, but uh, she did very, very well. And, and on the third day, uh, I trusted her and, uh, and we went into uh, where I live, into the back of the, some of the back track there and uh, took her on the, uh, on the, my big Dakar bike from Dream Racer. And um, the moment I put her on the bike, the challenge was to get her off the bike. She didn't want to come off. She was, she was having a great time. Oh, really? She really liked it. Well, well, let's just say, let's back up for the for the concept for this film. Before Laura came into the picture, you said they were looking at somebody else. So the, the concept right from the website is two adventure bikers take on the journey of a lifetime traveling through Morocco, North Africa, on the trail of the ultimate biking challenge, the Dakar Rally, the original Dakar Rally. And one rider, you, Christophe Barrier-Vergeau, has competed in the Dakar four times. The other, Laura Sorton, has never set a wheel off-road before. Now, obviously, she had these three days, at least, with you. But the idea was to get the both of you to start in, in Marrakesh, um, and then you're supposed to go through mountains, gorges, rivers, deserts, and end up in the Moroccan Sahara. That's right. So it was it was pretty much for, um, uh, as part of the show, is to give a taste of what it's like to um, want to, uh, to experience a whole new culture. And to experience what some of the uh, the original route of the Dakar Rally in Africa was, and uh, and for many many competitors, uh, Morocco had been a the country where it was the first country where competitors set foot in Africa. So it was really the gateway to Africa for most everyone that had never left Europe at the time. Most competitors were European, and uh, and when you arrive in Morocco for for someone that has never travelled. 
is uh, first is a cultural shock. It's very different. And two, you are once you start entering the, the desert landscape, it's for the first time in your life there is nothing. It's just wide open space, which is very hard to find in Europe. And um, and so that was to give the viewers and, and to Laura the, the feel of what it's like to one, you know, travel, experience different parts of the world, but also give a taste of what the competitors were going through where when they were racing in uh, in Africa. And the addiction comes with it, and the beauty of the wide open space, as you know, it's it's, it's just magnificent. And uh, that was the the goal of the show, pairing you know Laura with myself um, to give her the feel of what it's like to ride a motorbike in the wide open desert. So th- there seems to be, you know, I've noticed lately there's a lot of this, you know, take someone who's never ridden before and get them out there into something extreme, which I, I think brings up many questions um, with this yes. sort of thing. But but aside from that, so the idea was the, of the film is is it that you're racing? Are you guys rushing across or are you, or are you stopping to experience culture? No, we, we are not rushing at all. We're not racing. We're just uh, riding, uh, you know traveling quietly, enjoying the landscape and talking through, uh, you know, what we see. And, um, no, it's definitely not racing at all. It's, uh, it's, it's just really enjoying the, uh, you know, the outdoors and, and the beauty of Morocco. So it's similar. I mean, like not similar, but I hate to, you know, make it sound like it's, it's similar to something else, but I mean, it's sort of the long way round type of film then. Yes. Yeah. A, a little bit, I guess. Um, the, uh, the other thing is, um, Laura had pretty much, you know, two, three days. I, I don't categorize that as, as being any uh, experience at all on off-road, but it's also to give the viewers the uh, the chance to see, you know, someone totally inexperienced riding a fairly big motorcycle, a 1000cc, being able to go through that. And, and Laura rode the uh, the automatic transmission of the Honda and, um, and showing the viewer how easy it is for somebody totally inexperienced to ride a big bike and, and and discover, you know, what the world has to offer. For those of us, maybe I'm the only one that lives under a rock, tell us about Laura Sorton. Well, Laura is, um, um, she is a former Miss Australia. She was also a former Miss Universe uh, Australia. She was uh, crowned Miss Congeniality in 97. Uh, she was also Miss World uh, in '97 as well, so that, uh, that was a big year for her. And then from there, she uh, she moved on to uh, doing a lot of uh, television shows. She was on on Wheel of Fortune, and then she was a co-host in the the Great Outdoors. So she's had quite a bit of television experience. She was also a, re- um, a presenter on Fox uh, Fox Sports, and appeared many times on morning shows uh, here in Australia. So. She's uh, she's very familiar with the camera being uh, being in her face and uh, and but more than that um, more than being a you know former Miss Universe and Miss Australia it's what's great about Laura is she's willing to give it a go no matter what and um, and being able to uh, to see her ride and and do the things that she's done on that motorcycle is not easy at all especially in the sand in the dry riverbed it's very hard. And um, nah, she crashed and she got up and she tried again and she laughed and she crashed and she got up and tried again. And, and I guess that's a spirit. And uh, it was uh, it was a really enjoyable moment working with Laura. So the movie is sort of also about overcoming something, right? I mean, you're taking a person who has no riding experience provided, I mean, to ride with you, she's got sort of uh, the expert rider there to help her the entire way, but no riding experience. She's basically going to learn to ride through these episodes. 
That's correct. Yeah, and she's uh, she, as you can see how she's progressing, and and over the uh, over the entire journey, the, you know, the time that we spent in Morocco filming, um, we take her on more and more difficult challenges. So we start first in you know, obviously in Marrakesh, and and then move across the uh, the Atlas Mountains and start getting off road on gravel roads. And then things get serious when we get into dry riverbed. And, and people that don't know a dry riverbed is, is pretty treacherous. Uh, you have, you know, a soft layer of sand on top. You've got hidden rocks underneath. And it's uh, it's really difficult to ride those things, especially when you go, don't go too, too fast. And Laura could not go so fast because she's not so experienced. So the slower you go in the sand, the more difficult it is. And then she tried her first sand dunes as well. And, and you'll see that in the show. She's... Uh, she gives it a good go and um yeah there's only so far you can push someone uh, in experience uh, riding a big motorbike but um she uh yeah she definitely uh, had a good time yeah how many bikes got broken while filming this um not not too many there's few uh, obviously a uh, few scratches on Laura's bike uh, no, scratches or nothing off. i mean did, did anything go like yeah. i mean i can picture going up a dry riverbed and it just takes one drop and land on a rock and and you've got a rat out no, actually, one of the uh, we had a uh, few. Uh, there were two spare bikes, uh, so we had. I had. I was riding the manual. Laura was riding the automatic, and then we had two spare bikes just in case. And one of those bikes was being used by um, by the person filming us uh, from behind us. And uh, obviously, there was one person riding the bike, and the other person, you know, sitting backward or forward riding the bike, and and that person just fell off, trying to make a turn and and broke a, a side. Um, cover on the on the clutch and um so from there it was like uh bogging things up and, and try to make it last so but uh, nothing major on the bike stay with us we got more coming up in just a minute Aerostitch.com forward slash ARR is going to get you 10% off your first purchase or free shipping on your next order for existing customers. And of course, anytime you're dealing with them, let them know you've heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. Now, I was just going to mention to you something. I'm looking at their catalog, which you have. And if you don't have, you need to contact Aerostitch. Drop by their website, the website I just gave you, aerostitch.com forward slash ARR, and order your catalog. I'm telling you, it is like, uh, what it was I, I said there last week, it's like 280 pages of fun here, I think. It's, uh, oh, it's way up there. It's thick. It's a huge catalog. Um, I think it's, uh, I'm looking at 284 pages, and there's more after that that aren't numbered. You got to get the catalog. Zip on back to page 80 in the catalog, and what I've discovered here is their elk skin gloves. These are cool-looking gloves. Um, you know what a leather glove is like for fit and finish. It's fantastic. If you can get one to fit you, if you can get a pair of leather gloves to fit you, um, they're great. They're, they're just a fantastic thing because they tend to form to your hand. At the bottom of the page there, they've got a double-page spread here on the elk skin gloves, at the bottom of the page on the right-hand side, they've got the sizing chart. And you actually set your hand on there to measure out what size gloves you take. And the reason you do that is because they don't just come in small, medium, and large. Aerostitch, as usual, does the fitting thing right. They have twice as many, I think, um, sizes here as what your standard glove manufacturers have to make sure that you get the correct fit. So when you put your hand on here, you may find you're a small, medium, or large, or extra small, or whatever, or you may find you're a half size in between. And Aerostitch sells these sizes. 
This is really cool. Once again, says something about the Arrow Stitch quality. Page 80 in the catalog. If you don't have the catalog, drop by and get it. I think you can download it online as well. So you can download it for free, but why not get the paper version? That's my opinion anyway. I, I love looking through this thing. Anytime I get a chance, if I'm sitting here doing nothing, I'll pull out this catalog at arrowstitch.com forward slash ARR. Please let them know you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. Giant Loop is the exclusive North American importer for Rally Raid products. That's the Honda CB500 kits. They've got the parts, the accessories, the whole bit. You can turn the Honda CB500 into the lightest, lowest seat height, dirt-capable twin-cylinder adventure bike on the market. And you'll remember that some episodes ago, we, we actually covered this in some detail because I found it really interesting, you know. A lot of people are looking for lighter weight, smaller adventure bikes. We've sort of went up, I think, to the, the 1200 range. And now it just seems like there's a movement looking back down going, hey, you know, big bikes are great, but I want something small and more manageable. Well, the Honda CB500, which is really kind of a street bike, can be turned into this amazing adventure bike with this kit. Giant Loop has adventure-proof packing systems, which is modular, customizable bags and gear for small enduro bikes right on up to adventure touring machines. So you can, basically, you're choosing the individual components you want and whatever it takes to carry just the gear you need to ride on your bikes. They're a rider-owned company born from their own desire to carry their camping gear on their enduro bikes. So when you're dealing with them, you're dealing with riders. GiantLoopMoto.com. Use the promo code ARR. That'll get you free shipping in the U.S. But also, let them know you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio so they know it's working for them. And that's what helps make our show. So for film crew, I mean, when I pictured this production, I pictured, you know, vehicles and all kinds of people. You basically had a film crew of two? So no, no, no. We had, uh, first there was a massive amount of people, well, according to my experience with Dream Wessel, was was just Simon and I. And um, uh, with National Geographic, it was, um, the team was a lot more. We had um, uh, Spotter, which were organizing the route. We had people organizing permits. Uh, we had all the people uh, checking with the local police to ensure that when we went into a location that was crowded, everything was was fine. We had uh, a medical doctor as well. We had the production manager, and we had um, actually we had two cameramans only. Uh, one uh, with a massive, huge camera, um, Matthew Huntley, that is an Aussie guy, but uh, lives in the in the UK. And the other person you might be familiar with, uh, Claudio von Planta, which was filming the uh, long way down and long way around with uh, with Charlie and Hugh McGregor. Of course. Yeah. So uh, working with Claudio was fantastic. It's uh, such a you know the amount of knowledge that he's got is just unbelievable. And um, and uh, so that was uh, yeah we had probably four or five vehicles and full of people and uh, and uh, yeah it was a bit of. Uh, a challenge moving everyone early in the morning after a few days because people started getting tired. But uh, it was uh, was very different from uh, the experience that I had with Simon, where the conversation in the morning was me saying, Simon, did you charge the battery? And Simon <laughs> would say, yes, I did. I'd say, okay, I'll see you tonight. And that was it. <laughs> and uh, so it was, it was very different. So did you find this annoying at, at any point? Well, you know, with all these people and like you're saying, you just mentioned there about getting everybody going in the morning. Was there a point where it sort of gets on your nerves a little bit? 
Uh, no, not really on your nerve, but it's, I guess, you know, when Simon and I did the film, that was our film. So we took all the decision and, and we decided to do whatever one we wanted. Uh, when you are part of a larger crew, you have to, I guess, assume uh, your own role. And my role at this time was not to try to dictate the story or to say you should do that or you should do that. I was, I was asked to ride a motorbike and to take care of Laura, making sure she didn't crash and give her the best possible experience so we can have the best, you know. Uh, shooting possible so it was not my role to uh, boss people around this time so it's just uh, it, it was interesting it was it was fun though did you feel the pressure though I mean you've got this massive crew there watching everything you do filming everything you do that that people around the world are going to watch did you feel like a I don't know be worried that those butterflies in the pit of your stomach uh, not not too much. Uh, you're just making careful. You're not picking your nose or anything funny like that. But <laughs> just in case you go onto the just camera, just basic but, stuff uh, that your mom tells you. Yeah, yeah. Because you got no control over the editing at the back end, so you want to make sure you're on your best behavior all the time. Right. And, uh, and but not not really any. Uh, you know, obviously for me, uh, the most important thing was a that Laura didn't crash and hurt herself because that would have been the end of the show, and b that I didn't crash and hurt myself as well. So it's. Uh, you never know, a small fall, you know, you can break your wrist or something. And it's just, uh, that would have been a shame. So the, the first priority was to make sure that uh, that Laura could make it all the way to the end without hurting herself too, too much. So um, there's a bit of a hint then when I say too, too much, you'll see that in the show. I don't want to give uh, the show away, of course, <laughs> but, but I mean, so give us a, well, well let's look at Laura herself for, for a minute. She started out as a novice rider. You said she had lots of road experience. You rode this. Did she come out an experienced rider in the end, as opposed to just a rider with experience? No, she, she did, because some of the tricks that I've shown her on how to ride a motorcycle will last for a lifetime. It's not, you know, how to take a turn or anything. It's pretty much what uh, very few people actually teach you on how to ride a motorbike and, and this, you know, training the unconscious mind to do the conscious things when you ride a motorcycle so you don't think about it. And when you have those behavior embedded into your brain, you can ride a motorbike, you know, forever and still ride well. And you don't have to be on a motorbike for, you know, you can be off a motorbike for a few months or a year or so you get back on the bike and it's like you rode yesterday. Because of those automatism that um, that I teach when I, I train riders, it's just uh, a different way of, of training people on how to ride a motorbike. So, and uh, and those skills will last her forever. So she can ride pretty much anywhere in the world that she yeah, that she's got that. So it's just uh, practice and um, and um, and going off road. Can you give us a, a couple of things that you might have taught her that you just explained now? Yeah, well, first, the, uh, you know, when you ride a motorcycle is, uh, is to feel the momentum of the bike going forward when you accelerate and, and the bike going backward when you, uh, when you brake. Um, so when you accelerate, your body has a tendency to being pulled and therefore your body weight tends to go backward of the motorcycle. So what you do is you hang on to the handlebar and, and the bike goes forward. But what you need to do is actually Similar to if you are on the trampoline and if you want to move forward, you launch your body forward as you hit the trampoline. Similar with the, being on a motorcycle, when you accelerate, you preempt the movement of the bike going forward and you move your body forward. Therefore, you're not using any muscles that, uh, that you have in your arms to hang on to the bar. And, and the same is true when you take turns, when you brake, when you go uphill, you know, when you are on a slippery surface, you preempt everything. And, 
those automatisms need to be embedded into your brain so you can be faced with any situation, regardless of the size of the bike. It doesn't matter if you ride a bike that is, you know, 100 kilos or 300 kilos uh, if you preempt what the bike is going to do. And, uh, and once you've got this, is the similar, you know, uh, similar thing as putting a fork in your mouth. You don't miss your mouth. You know, it's embedded into your brain. And the same is true with riding a motorbike. And there's, there's obviously a bunch of different techniques in how you hold the handlebar, how you put your feet on the pegs, how you hold your bikes. And all of this is not, um, not designed to try to go fast, but to, to try to ride very well. And once you ride well, then you can go faster on a motorbike and in a more secure way. You and I talked one time before about, um, we were talking about uh, riding techniques. I, I don't recall exactly what it was, but I remember you started getting, you were really animated about it. You were very excited. And I, and when I got off the, the connection from you and we stopped recording, I mentioned to Elizabeth, I said, you can tell your love and your dedication to it because you have all these little things that you are so in tune to the type of thing that, that only you only get when you really spend a lifetime doing something right. When you're, when you're doing it so much, like you're talking about here about the, you know, the weightless rider thing or, 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 or uh, the motion of the motorcycle and your body. It's those type of things you only develop after you've gotten way past the regular riding thing where you've, you've got into it to a, almost a too deep level. Uh, that, that's right. I mean, I, obviously, I raced motocross for many, many years, and and motorcycle racing was my life. And 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 also, I study a lot of things from motorcycle racing, and I study a lot of other sports to help me with motorcycle racing. Uh, you know, holding a t- tennis racket applies to riding a motorbike. Running applies to running, riding a motorbike. The way you breathe um, every day applies to riding a motorbike as well. So you don't hold your breath. If you do hold your breath, you increase your um, your heart rate and, and then you get tired. So it's, it's it's all those tiny little things. And, and I spend, I don't know how many thousands of hours watching myself and, and studying on how other people rode motorbike in, in slow motion, other races, and, uh, and try to understand what they were doing and why they were doing it. And I've studied so much on how to ride a motorbike that, you know, that, to me, if somebody tells me you're doing very well, that doesn't help me. I want to know what I'm doing wrong so I can improve it. And um, and that's what I spend my life, you know, trying to find faults in, in how I rode a motorcycle and what I could do to improve myself. And um, after so many years, it, that becomes, you know, you, you become almost a master of your own, you know, your own self in, in, in doing something that you love. And, uh, and then you get to a point where, you know, yeah, you know all of this, but you want to pass it on to someone. And when you train someone like Laura, that she's not a strong girl, she's used to be a, a former supermodel and she's got not a lot of, you know, muscles compared to me, you know, in legs and arms and backs and all that. And you train a person for just a couple of days and you watch them ride one of the big, biggest motorcycle you can ride on dirt and, and being able to pull it off, you think, well, you know, all those 20, 25, 30 years of, of training and racing, three days only, and this girl that has never been off-road before can ride a big motorbike in the sand dune. And this is just, you get a very good feeling of satisfaction. At the start, I'd mentioned about, um, you know, the thought process of taking someone who's brand new, who doesn't have riding experience and doing an epic adventure. And it seems to be a bit of a theme nowadays in, in different circles and different things that we see did you consider it to be a dangerous thing? I mean, was Laura really um, 
was she really pushing herself as much as what we might think she was? I shouldn't say pushing because I'm sure she was, but was the danger there? Or do you think the danger was somehow mitigated because of the way it was set up? Well, we try to reduce the the level of risk, obviously, but, um, you know, danger can happen, you know, any moment. You can just get on a bike, start going 100 meters, and then fall off and, and break your collarbone or break your neck. And to me, that was the big, the big thing is, is because you ride on dirt and, and on dirt there's rocks. You don't know which rocks they are. You don't know if they're big rocks, little rocks. You've got sand. You don't know what's underneath the sand. And you go into a territory that you've got no idea. And when you don't have all the automatism to, uh, you know, to adjust yourself on the bike, that becomes a danger. And to me, you know, obviously, uh, I was um, very cautious and trying to look ahead of Laura all the time to spot any potential danger and, you know, for her. And obviously, we were connected on the, um, with microphones and headsets inside the helmet so I could talk to her and let her know, be careful here, go to the left here, don't look down, you know, those, just all those little tricks. And, um, and obviously for me, it was, you know, making sure because it was a dangerous gig for her, you know, more so than, than for me. But uh, it was it was pretty dangerous uh, taking someone uh, with no experience. And you know how easy it is to uh, to break your wrist, break your collarbone or, or even worse uh, on a motorbike at slow speed. That's when most of the injuries actually happen when you don't pay attention. And, um, you know, with all the film crew going on and all the messages, you know, that we receive in the helmet, you know, stick to the left and camera angle this and camera all that it's easy to get confused and, and not uh looking at what you're doing on the motorbike for and someone like laura with very little experience off-road pretty much no experience off-road uh, that becomes a dangerous situation so I, he was dealing with all those things and and putting myself in between laura and cars and putting myself in between laura's and donkeys and people and and blocking traffic for laura to get through safely so my job was, uh, yeah, it was pretty, pretty full on and, um, and getting ahead of Laura when I sensed that something was going wrong with the terrain, rocks or anything. So I could direct her on where to go. Uh, all those little things to just to make sure she was 100% safe uh, to access to the best of my abilities. Yeah. Was there a single instruction or set of instructions that you gave Laura that you felt was the, the thing that really kept her safe or, or maybe played the biggest part in keeping her safe when it comes to crashing? Yeah, just uh, if you don't see where you're going, just slow down or stop. You know, don't take any, don't take any risk. Um, you know, and uh, but that's very hard to um, to put into practice when you have people filming you from right, left, and center, and you have to go through a, a riverbed. And you know, for someone, you know, going through a riverbed with a little bit of water seems like oh, that's a joke. But uh, for someone who has never crossed a river before, you've got no idea how deep that river is. And you don't know, you know, if the rock is a sharp rock or it's rocks with mold on it that are very slippery. And, you know, it doesn't take much for someone to lose its, uh, to lose their balance on the, on the motorbike. And, um, it's, uh, yeah, just making sure that she knew where she was going at all time and, uh, and stay, uh, you know, away from traffic and stay away from people and, and be in an environment that she was comfortable with. Was it filmed, uh, a reality style or was it like when I say reality style, I mean, was it filmed just as you go and, and what they caught, they caught, or was it filmed like a, a Hollywood movie where they'd say, okay, we want you to run through here. We're going to run through here today, six, seven, 12 times until we get the shot. Right. 
No, it was not that many uh, that many takes. I mean, only when there was buses coming through and they were not supposed to or <laughs> those sort of things, but uh, just to get a clean shot. But uh, it was not um, it was not set as you know you got to do this and you've got to talk about that and all of this was pretty free and and they wanted to capture uh, Laura and, and and my emotions as we went through you know beautiful landscape and uh, yeah it's pretty hard to fake unless you're a good actor you know I'm not so it's pretty hard to fake you know an emotion um, so what they wanted us to do is they obviously they had a few spots that they wanted to film through because they were like absolutely gorgeous spots so the whole crew had to be you know different time of the day at different areas um so we had to keep on moving all the time but uh the, this this the narrative the text there was absolutely no brief we just you know it was talk about the talk a little bit about the dakar talk about you know but there was no you know pre-arranged you know this is your this is your line and this is what you have to say so we were that was good so we were pretty free on that so it was a yeah a bit of a, a mix of uh, of reality being you know us two riders experiencing, you know, things for the first time, because most of the time we didn't know where we were going. Um, I mean, we knew the towns where, where we were going, but they wanted to keep us in the dark as well. So they could capture all the emotion. And, um, and then, the, the more, you know, mise-en-scene, if you say that in French, because I don't know how to say it in English, but the production type, you know, uh, thing where we had to be in spots um, at different time of the day. And, and that was a bit of a bit of a challenge because we had a lot of distance to cover. Give us a, a nugget, you, um, something that, a highlight that will really sell someone on the show itself. <sighs> I'll be selfish here. If you want to see a Honda Africa Twin at 140 kilometers an hour hitting a sand dunes, and then that's the show for you. If you want to uh, see someone that has never been off-road before and, and while wondering whether or not you can do it, uh, that's the show for you. Uh, if you want to experience chaotic environment that is self-ruled, uh, that's the show for you as well. In, in some of the scenes in the in the uh, in all the, the the market areas in Marrakesh. Uh, if you love motorcycles and want to know about the latest, greatest, you know, automatic transmission off-road bike, then that's a show for you as well. Um, obviously, it's a national geographic show, so it's it's not as you know deep in terms of you know uh, searching soul type thing as Dream Racer, but it is a show for the whole family, and you will enjoy beautiful sceneries and and it's a nice, entertaining story. It might seem a little bit Honda centric at first but then then you guess you know honda provided the bike and help uh, make the show so that's that's fair enough and um but uh what you get is uh is beautiful imagery sceneries you know there's a bit of drama going on and you know good old television but uh it's uh yeah you gotta you gotta watch it. i mean it's not um it's not something you will regret for sure in terms of the show i think uh you know we uh we had the Beautiful, uh, beautiful experience, and um, and you know being able to come back to Australia and 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 very quickly see that on television across 170 countries is just. Uh, now, what are you going to do from here? This is really hard to top. You've done Dream Racer, an amazing film. You've done National Geographic, riding Morocco, chasing the car. What's next? Well, I've got two more films that I want to uh, to make. Um, the third film is is a film produced by uh, by ourselves, and um, I'm in the process of uh, convincing Simon, and I think I've done the job already. 
So uh, Simon will be uh, hopefully part of this. And um, it's the film that is, I don't want to say too much because this is a film that is, um, it's, it's motorcycle related, but like Dream Racer is not about motorcycle. It is very risky and it's, it will be very upsetting for a lot of people that have based their knowledge on what they believe is true. And um, it's a film that, um, that starts its route uh, in Africa, uh, moves through Africa, moves to the United States, Central America, and then South America. So it's, it's a big, big thing that I'm trying to pull off. And uh, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, if you, if you know a little bit of, um, of philosophy and you've read Socrates and Plato and, and you know of the, uh, the story about the cave of the person that lived in the cave all of its life and, and believed reality was the cave, and, and someone came out and said, no, that's not reality. Those are just shadows. And reality is actually outside the cave. And that person refused to believe that reality was actual reality. It's a, it's a similar situation where you're faced with the truth that you didn't know the truth existed in the first place. And uh, again, you know, it's, uh, I don't want to make a, a motorcycle film, just a ride motorcycle and not crazy music and big jumps and all that. To me, it's uh, you need to watch a film to learn something, to to uh to take something in and, and apply it in your own life and hopefully become a, a better person. And that's what I'm trying to do. So that's, that's the third film. And the fourth one is obviously Dream Racer 2, which, um, again, I'm still pushing really hard on that. And it's, um, it will be uh, a little bit similar to Dream Racer, this one, but, um, but different. Uh, I'll be racing in a single seater buggy and across multiple countries. And again, the deep message in there is, is the, uh, Dream Racer 2 will be the commonality of, of the human race, or how we are all different but yet the same inside. And um, so, uh, yeah, big messages in each one of those films. But yeah, it's, once you get the bug it's, uh, of making film and you see people enjoying them and, and sending you messages uh, nearly every day saying, oh, I love your film because this and that and that, it makes you want to do more. Christoph, what do you do for a living? You know what? Someone asked me the same question at the post office the other day because uh, they see me coming in and one day I'm wearing a suit, the next day I'm wearing a short, the next day I'm a bit daggy, full of inks. And, and they say, what do you do for a living? I say, well, look, <laughs> I don't even know myself. Um, so I am, I don't know if you can actually pinpoint it here. I am obviously a business consultant. You've seen that in, in DreamRacer. I help uh, large organizations and, and government agencies uh, save money. Uh, so that's that's the main job. Um, I'm also a bit of uh, an entrepreneur. I start companies. So uh, I'm in the process of, you know, with DreamRacer, what you see is uh, you see a film, but, but all the back ends is all built uh um, as a uh, as a company, so uh, Dreamwasser, we have the movies. Um, we also have Dreamwasser apparels, which now we have a, a printing business to do all the T-shirts and sublimation and all sort of things. Uh, that branches out into uh, other companies, clubs, uh, you know, wanting their branding done as well. So we do that for them. I'm also in the process of launching the uh, Dreamwasser video on demand platform. Uh, so similar to Netflix, similar to iTunes, uh, similar to um, what are the other ones, Stan, Presto, and all those guys. Uh, except, obviously, I need to start somewhere, so DreamWorks will be on it. But 
on it will be films that are not on the other platform like iTunes, but follow a similar message as Dreamworth, which is the tagline being it's, it is at the edge of who you are, but you learn who you can be. And those films don't have to be motorcycle related. It could be someone climbing a mountain. So it could be someone rowing across from Australia to New Zealand. It could be anything where you take a, an ordinary person doing extraordinary things. And that's the goal of this platform to give my existing smallish, you know, audience, uh, that have bought into, uh, into Dreamers, uh, the opportunity to see other greatly independently produced films. And, um, so that's, that's another business that is about to, uh, to get started. Probably, uh, by the time you put this interview on, it might even be online as well already. So, um, only a few days away. And you will be able to download and dream yourself finally as well. So not just stream it or buy the DVD, you'll be able to actually own a digital copy too. Well, once again, Christophe, it was a real pleasure talking with you. I look forward to seeing the Riding Morocco films. And, uh, and of course, whatever film you bring out next, I'm there. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. Thanks very much. Thanks for your support. Christophe Barrier-Varjou was the subject of the movie Dream Racer. You can find out more about that movie and Christophe by visiting the website dreamracer.tv. And of course, now he's on National Geographic. And, and the best way to find out where it's playing in your area, I guess, is to just search the National Geo uh, website. Go to natgeotv.com and um, search for Riding Morocco or something thereabouts. And I'm sure you're going to come across it. If not, you can come back to our website, www.adventureriderradio.com. Check the show notes for this episode and we will have a link to that um, National Geographic site and Dream Racer website in our show notes. This episode is brought to you in part by Max BMW Motorcycles, serving adventure riders since 2002. 45,000 parts and accessories available online and ready to ship to your door at maxbmw.com. And you can sign up for their e-rider newsletter too. It's free. That's maxbmw.com. And Best Rest Products, home of Cycle Pump Tire Inflator, Tire and Bead Breaker, Easy Air Tire Gauge, and other adventure motorcycle gear. You know, whether you're on the road or off the road, you'll need a compact and reliable tire inflation method. The Cycle Pump runs right off your bike's electrical system and will inflate a flat tire in less than three minutes. Made in the USA, and get this, it comes with a lifetime warranty. It's the pump we use here at Adventure Rider Radio. Visit them at CyclePump.com. That's CyclePump.com. Green Chili Adventure Gear offers American-made, heavy-duty, innovative luggage systems for all types of motorcycles, tested in extreme weather and terrain to withstand the abuse of adventure riding. Green Chili Adventure Gear is also the exclusive USA distributor for Outback Motor Tech, a Canadian company that specializes in high-quality protection for motorcycles. Visit them at www.greenchiliadv.com. Greenchiliadv.com. Well, that about 
wraps up another episode of Adventure Rider Radio, and we sure hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we did making it. And of course, making it is a little bit more difficult while we're on the road here, but um, because we don't, we can't rent hotel rooms and stuff for this sort of thing, so we're we're just doing it wherever we can, which is kind of cool because this recording, I'm looking out the window and there's raindrops on the uh, on the glass here, and I'm in a forest on a river, and that's pretty cool. Special thanks goes to our producer, Elizabeth Martin, and of course, you, the listener. Thanks for listening. We certainly appreciate it. And hey, if you like the show, you want to keep it coming to you for free, our show is built on a model of advertising and listener support. If you can, drop by our website, click on the donate button, send us what you can. Anything $10 or over, we're going to send you back a gift in the mail showing our appreciation for you helping out the show. Thanks for listening. I'm Jim Martin. This is Adventure Rider Radio. And well, I guess time to get out there and ride your bike. Ride safe. See you next week. Hola, mi nombre es Alicia y estás escuchando Adventure Rider Radio. Hi, my name is Alicia and listening Adventure Rider Radio. Ah!